Welcome, everyone, to the Road by Road the Garden Show, the best dead gum gardening show on the internet and the radio as well. Glad to have you this evening. Glad to be here. And we got Wayno from Lakewood, Lakewood Farms. Farm. Yep. How about that? How you doing, Wayne? I'm good. Glad to be back. It's that time of year where, man, it's hot down here in South Georgia. Man, I've been sweating, changing shirts three times a day. Really? It's terrible. And uh, what you got going on in the garden? Um, well, I just picked or cut my asparagus last time for cutting it. I need to let the rest grow for get some nutrients for the next year. Uh, asparagus is one of the things that just keeps on giving. Really? Down. Yeah. When do you start? I don't want to cut mine for about six to eight weeks a year. Well, uh, mine's a smaller bed, not yeah. as old. So I'm trying to, this has been the best year for my asparagus. So I've got a lot from it, but I'm just trying to stop now to see how it'll do next year. Yeah. I moved it. You're not supposed to move them, but I moved to a different spot. It's getting a little bit better area, sun, water. So yep. I'm excited about so it. So I seen on Facebook the other day you was cutting some zinnias. Zinnias are, man, I just went out there and they are neck high. They're, yep. they're, they're tall. Uh, yep. they're beautiful. Uh, it's been a good year for zinnias. Yeah, it has. My wife's happy, so yeah. I'm happy. Hey, that's all that matters. What about your bees? Are they happy? Bees are good. I got stung. I harvested... Uh, a hundred pounds of honey. Wow. Which is how many gallons? Uh, two five-gallon buckets. Two five-gallon buckets of honey. Okay. That would be enough. And I use a lot of honey, but I could survive a year off of that. I, oh, God. We, that we do. We usually survive <clears throat> a year off of five gallons. I could have harvested more, but they didn't have it capped enough. Water content wasn't right, so I left it, and I might harvest that again this, this fall. Now, that harvesting the honey is a fun thing to do, but that's a job. It's a lot of work. That's a lot I of mean, work. You're talking a lot about of picking up a 70, yep. 80 pound box of, of honey and bringing it to the kitchen, and your wife's mad because it's splattered yeah. everywhere and yep. getting everything sticky. Yep. But uh, it's a lot of an old man. Yeah. Yeah. We did, uh, we had some clover one year, and we gathered five gallons off of a uh, off of a couple of hives. That's 50, ga 50 pounds. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of honey. It was enough to last for a year, but it, we started like three o'clock in the afternoon and it was after dark it's, it's before we got day. through cleaning up. And I thought to myself, and we had, I even borrowed an extractor, which made life a lot easier. Yeah. But uh, I couldn't imagine it. Yeah, that doing that every day, you'd have to have better equipment and a better setup than what mm -hmm. we had. And when you pay ten or twelve dollars for a small bar, oh yeah, yeah it mounts up. Matters. Plus, you know what you got, so you know it's your right. honey. So you know, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. I think more people should do that, should have bees, and I understand everybody's not a bee person, yeah. but uh, it is, it's interesting to do. You can learn a lot from yeah. life from bees. You so. can get you can get a lot of things. I already, we already talked about that. Today, yeah. So, but, yeah. Uh, it's fun. So what else in the garden? I have peppers. Peppers. Okra. Um, okra. I have olives. You ever had an olive tree? Never had an olive tree. Um, I put some up last year. It's a pretty neat experience. So we do pretty good here in South Georgia growing olives? Yeah, they're starting to grow olives in South Georgia for olive oil. Uh, there's some between here and Albany, matter yeah. of fact. Uh, wow. So I just have a couple of trees just for the enjoyment and landscape around the yard. Hmm. And I have tomatoes. You got tomatoes? Well, I have tomatoes and tomato plants, but my tomatoes aren't doing well. What's wrong? Uh, blossom and rot. Every what? year I grow tomatoes, usually do pretty well. This year I had good vines, tall, loaded with tomatoes, and this is what I get. Mm. So that can be very frustrating. It's frustrating. When you have a tomato that's, these are not even the right size yet, but when you start seeing that on your tomatoes, mm -hmm. it's bad. What do you so, say we dig in that a little deeper You need today. to tell me how yep. to grow tomatoes. We'll dig into Blossom in Rock today because it's that time of the year where everybody is getting really frustrated with Blossom in Rock. So I said, what a better time us to do a deep dive into Blossom in Rock because there's so much misinformation out there and we're going to try to 
clear some of that up. But you know, not only that, we're going to try to give you a clear strategy I of how that. to combat blossom end rot. How about that? That's, that that's, work for you? That's what we need, Dad. All right. Because I need a good tomato sandwich. You do. It's nothing Home but grown. Homegrown. So for our product of the week, I got to show people this right here. Our product of the week is not this champion radish here, but it's actually these trays. So we just got these trays in, and these trays have been newly designed out of England. Uh, actually, a microgreen grower out of Canada and a guy out of England that I, I do some business with developed these microgreen trays, and he talked me into us carrying them because we've never done a lot with microgreens before, but we've been doing a lot of work in the last six months with this, testing the whatnots. And you know what? This is a game changer for us. And I'm going to show you what they look like without anything in them. They're real shallow. And you got two different ones. You got one with a hole, and you got one without a hole. Now, if you're used to growing microgreens, you understand the importance of both of those. But if you're not, then that's probably something we'll dig into a little later. But you got to catch basin for that particular one that you grow in your microgreens in right there. What's the neat about this is, is it doesn't take much soil. And you really don't need much soil. Soil is kind of a waste. You don't need no more than what you actually need. So these are real shallow. And it also gives you the opportunity, when you cut these microgreens, you got plenty of room to get in there and cut them. Now, Wayne, you've probably never had a microgreen before. I've never you? grown any, but I've been wanting to. Well, this particular one here is a champion. green microgreen. This is a champion radish is the variety. Radishes do good as microgreens. Got my big old fancy knife out there. And you know how old these are? God, 11 three, days. Not, yeah. 11 days. So in 11 days, you can harvest microgreens. Now, you can eat these as a salad, or you can eat them as a garnish. There you go. How about that right there? I'll, I'll partake with you. Radishes are really good. There's several different ones out there. This I brought radishes today because they're looking good. We've got several different ones planted. You know the most popular microgreen? Sunflower. That tastes like a radish. I didn't think the green would taste like a radish, but it does. It does. You don't have to buy the radish. Just grow right. these. It's got a good earthy flavor, just a little tinge on the little heat on the end of it. Did you get that? Well, that's good, yeah. Yeah. So it's not bland like your mm. lettuces would be. And it's not as dry <coughs> as a radish. You know, some radishes you buy it and it's like... A little more heat there than I thought it's was there. It's got some heat It's there. got some heat there on that. That'd be perfect for a salad. Salad, or you could garnish, you know, heck, pasta or anything with yep. it. So anyway, we're doing a lot of work with that. And we got these, we got these on the site, these microgreen trays on the site now. So go check those out. We're going to sell them probably in five packs, ten packs. We may sell them, I don't know, maybe two pairs, something like that. But uh, they are neat. You don't take a lot of pot and soil there. You got plenty of room to harvest your microgreens. And I think microgreens have a lot of potential. I'm going to bring a pack home with me today. Sure, sure. And I'll give you some, uh, I may even give you a couple of trays. Oh, How about that? Hey, I'll take them. <clears throat> we're doing a lot of work with microgreens. And so for the next few weeks, you're gonna, we're going to be doing a lot of detailed things about how to grow them, how to prepare them, how to eat them, things like that. You know, the thing about a microgreen is it takes no fertilizer. All you're eating is that green part there that comes from the energy of that soil. And you can grow them in pretty much a sterile soil. Now, this is a regular seed start mix here, but, but it has no pesticides whatsoever. It has no fertility. So that's as healthy as it gets. That thing there is, you can know how green it is. It's loaded with your... You need all to dry your, these. All your antioxidants and all that kind of stuff. So it's a great way to feed your family and yourself a good, healthy green. Have it when you want it. 
and what be proud. I didn't think it had much of a flavor, but that, yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. Now, the, the, the sunflowers, to me, have a little bit of a nutty flavor. Mm -hmm. I think you could probably do a combination, two or three, and mix them together, and that'd be wonderful in a, you know, like a salad. But anyway, so, you know, tomatoes are coming in right now. <clears throat> and one of the things I wanted us to do today, and I wanted you to be on the show particularly, Wayne, because of, I feel like you have this distinctive, mature palate. We're going to do a taste testing today. I don't know. Ivy might tell you my palate is either good or bad. Well, but it's probably, it's yours. <laughs> it is. And it's it's mature. But I think I can tell you on a tomato. Yeah, so what we want to do is we want to do some in-depth tomato tasting. Now, I have my theories on this right here, and I want to talk to everybody about it. Well, since you said that, I think last time I came... And I had to taste the tomato. Didn't have any pepper. Oh my goodness! Didn't have any mayonnaise. Oh my goodness! So I got some salt, pepper, mayonnaise, and what? And some white bread. A, a tomato sandwich. Does it get any better? Than it that? doesn't. I've often said that is my favorite food. And you know what? You brought the right kind of mayonnaise. Dukes. There's only one kind of mayonnaise. Dukes. Dukes. Now there is a good one. Black pepper. Craft black pepper, olive really? oil. Ooh, I'm not yeah, trying that one. If you can find that, that is good stuff. I, I have trouble Dukes getting away from that. Yeah, it's sweet on a tomato yeah. sandwich. So the uh, the thing I want to test first is this right here. So on tomatoes, we see that there's a lot of different color variances on tomatoes. Now this particular one right here is a purple boy. Now that looks like an heirloom tomato, it does. doesn't it? Yep. But it's not. Now his granddaddy was. But they took his granddaddy, which was a Cherokee purple, if I'm not mistaken, and they bred him to have more disease resistance and be a hardier tomato and for us to be able to grow it in the South and yet still have the same color and the same texture and the flavor of that Cherokee purple. So wouldn't it be nice if you had a good tasting tomato, a good looking tomato, and it was disease resistant? Would be. Well, that's what you got right here. Now, this is an indeterminate, which means that it will grow and grow and grow. And uh, indeterminates have a little bit different growth habit than a determinant does, but that's what this is. And it, it's my first year growing it, but it is a it's a keeper in my book. Isn't has done real well for us. You consider a tomato a um, vegetable or a fruit? A tomato is a fruit. I, I consider it a vegetable. Supposedly, botanical terms, it's a fruit. The reason is, but nutri nutritionist terms, right. the reason it's a fruit because it has the seed in it. So anything that has a seed in it is considered fruit. I once gave a talk to some third graders at school, and I asked that question. And you knew the whole class knew it. I was like, wow. Did they? They did. I was like, wow. He's a good teacher. He's a good teacher. <laughs> so we got these tomatoes here. So my theory on this right here is that precious color right there, which is that deep, That's deep red. Is that tomato going to taste different than this potato simply because of the way it looks? Should. It should because you, we think your eyes predispose mm -hmm. things to a different flavor, right? I would think this would be sweeter than this one, but I don't know. And you would think this would be more acidy or more tomato flavor. Mm -hmm. And then we have a determinate variety here, which is called a red snapper. Now, that's a big old slice of tomato that we used to grow. That'll fit on that piece of bread. Exactly. Right? So we got that right there, and we got a couple of these small ones here that we're going to do after the fact. But let's do these first. What right. we want to do, Wayne, is we want to blindfold you. So we can get a true, okay. a true tasting from these tomatoes. And we want to see on a scale of one to five, where do you profile these at without you being able to see the color? Okay. How I've never that? had this variety of tomatoes before, so it'd be interesting. So it'd be interesting. So we're dealing with 
two indeterminates. One is the purple boy. We're dealing with the lemon boy. And we're dealing with the red snapper. Let me see. I'm supposed to have some cards here somewhere. But I think they have. Anyhow, I got this right here. I can deal with that. So, <clears throat> here comes the. Oh, now, if you start seeing something drip down my chin, please. Is, is it, no, it off. Yeah, it'd be okay. You just you just take your tongue and get right. it up. Okay, do you want me to put this or you <laughs> can do it? I don't care. Okay. Now, you got to be honest with us. You can't be, you no, can't I, be peeking. You're going to leave your glasses, take my glasses okay. off. I'm all about honesty. So yeah. I'm going to give you a true. You're going to give us a true. Now, you, can't, you don't need to be able to see anything. We better tie it again because I'll uh, it'll fall off. Yeah, we don't want to fall off. Okay. So you good? You can't see anything? No, nope, I'm good. Boy, it'd be a bad time to trick you, wouldn't it? That That's would right. be mean. Be wouldn't behave, it? Greg. That would be mean. You know, I've been done that way before. Uh, give, I it a, give it a hot pepper. Would I supposed to be getting a tomato? Okay. Do I need to? You gonna hand it to me? You gonna? Well, I'm it? just I'm getting everything. Just chill a little right. bit, Wayne. You get a little ahead of yourself here. <laughs> Yep. So we got to do this thing so that it is, uh, you know, it's it's right. Make sure we get everything just so so. You can't smell I that. Can't Can you smell, smell that tomato? No, I'm not good at smelling things. Yeah. Let me get a little bit more. Let me get one of these right here. I don't know, that's a big old bore out there. Now this is not going to be a mud shake or anything, is it? No, this is not going to be a mud shake. I wouldn't do you that way. Let's see if I can. What I'm doing is I'm doing some fairly slim slices there so that, you know, this is going to be a little bit awkward. I guess I could feed these to you. No, I can do it. What about if I good. just put it on the fork for you? How about that? Okay, so the first one we're going to do here, let me get it on the fork here for you. I mean, you want me to grate it when I eat it? Or I do. I, I think that would be okay. the per perfect time to do that. So here's your, here's your fork right here, okay? So I got you a pretty good slice on that. Now eat that tomato there and tell me what you think about that one give me some give me some insight on the flavor that is does that is that different to you or is that taste like that, a regular tomato or what that tastes like a regular tomato to me it's not very acidic it's not very acidic okay. um the texture is a little mushy on the mushy side mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah um but i'd say that's a basic average tomato Basic average tomato. Okay. I mean, well, if I had a tomato, hey, it's sandwich, all about what. Uh, what like you. That's <laughs> what you like a tomato sandwich, like, right? Oh, that's right. That that would be a good tomato sandwich. Okay. All right. So if I can have the fork back, okay. You doing okay? Yep. All right. I'd rate it now or later. I tell you what, I'd rate that. I don't have others to taste, so it's kind of hard. To hold so. off. Let's okay. just hold off. Okay. Okay. Here's number two. That one, the texture is better than the first one. Better mm -hmm. or different? Or would be better in your book, I, I'm no, assuming. No, it's not the same tomato, is it? Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> um, don't mess with me. Uh, I think the texture was better. It was thinner. I don't, it looks like it maybe feels like you, you cut that one thinner, but the texture was better. The flavor, it, it was... Um, I don't have a good vocabulary of words. Was it less acidic or more acidic or? Probably less. Less? I think it was less. Okay. All right. So we're dealing with some pretty complex, different colors. All right. Are you ready? 
Ready? This is number three on the. Do I need to drink wine or water? No, you're good. Beforehand? You're good. Mm. That's a good tomato. Mm. That's juicy. Has some good flavor. A little acidic. But there's something um, there that's a little different. That one was different to me. Really? It really was. Wow. If you messed with me, I'm not coming back. <laughs> But that was a good tomato. Yeah. That would make a real good, that would make a juicy tomato where it just drips down your yeah, arm. Yeah, Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, Ben, you still so got the, uh, let's leave the blindfold on, and let's talk about those three for just a minute. Okay. Give me, give me a one to five on all three of those, and one being the worst, five being the best, and let's start out with number one. Number one would be a three. Number one would be a three, and that was number one. Okay. I'm just, let me change that. Okay. Number one will be, because I hate to write, they were all good tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Number one will be a four. Number one is a four. Number two would be a three. Number, th that's, that's cool. And then number three would be a five tops. Really? My, my favorite. Wow. Wow. Okay. So then as we got that under control, let's do a couple more things. Now, I got a couple of cherry tomatoes I want you to try. Okay. And they are different in, a little different in color too. So first of all, we're going to try this one. Now, I'm usually not a cherry tomato fan. Well, I know, but it is what it is. These babies here, you got the, I think they're going to be, he could, if, that's good that you can't see where I'm at. I can't. I can't okay. see. <clears throat> Okay, that's the one you're trying right there. Oh. Now, so most of the time, the cherry tomatoes have a different it, flavor. It's different texture. It's, it's not as juicy. A little more punch, maybe? Yeah. Um, totally different flavor. Hard to describe the flavor. Chewy. It, tougher. Mm -hmm. Firm, I guess. Uh, I mean, you can make a tomato sandwich with them. You put a whole bunch of little small slices yeah. all over yeah. it. But it would not be my favorite tomato for a tomato sandwich. It has more of a bitter. A little bitter. A little bitter? Interesting. That's the only way I can describe it. Okay. Bitter. All right. So just uh, just give me a second here and let me throw another one on you. How about that? Bring it on. Bring it on. You're doing so good, Wayne. I, I tell you. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you would be good on a taste testing. I don't have anything in my teeth, do I? You don't have anything in your teeth, but I knew you'd do well with this right here because you have that mature. You know what that means? You get a little age on. You got that I, mature. I have a little bit of age after I watch this palette. video. Well, that was probably my favorite cherry tomato. Really? It was a little acidic. It was very juicy, very... Um, texture was not as tight or uh, as bad as that first one. I wouldn't say bad, but different than the first one. Mm -hmm. um, but I, that, was a, that was a good cherry tomato. Okay, so let's rate those two. And uh, give me the first one. First one of three. Three? And the second one of four, and I probably should give it a five, but it's a four because I'm not a fan of cherry tomatoes. Okay, cool. All right, let's take the uh, let's take the blindfold. Let's talk this thing out. <clears throat> this was interesting. This was very <laughs> interesting today for me. I, I think if I would have done the taste test, I think we would have done the exact same. Really? For what I think, yeah, I think we'd have done the exact same thing. <clears throat> so, 
Normally speaking, what I have been told, and, and the lady, the seed lady from Sakata that we had on a couple weeks ago explained this to me, she said indeterminates normally have a better flavor profile than determinants. I argued that fact with her because I've never grown a lot of indeterminants. And I said, I, you know, we always grew these big tomatoes. I, I never knew the difference until I watched your show. But I they just is grew a, a tomato. But there is a difference yep. in the flavor of these. And this is really interesting. So your number, uh, your number, your your worst pick, your third pick on this right here was the red snapper, which is a, a determinant. You thought that one had the least amount of flavor. Okay. Your second one was the purple one. And I like the other one. Hmm. But your favorite one by yeah. far it's good to make. was the yellow one. And I would totally agree with you on that one. These are the ones I've been eating on my tomato sandwiches of late. I've eaten a couple of these right here. But this, this to me, if I've had one thing this year that really I grew that really stepped out and made a huge impression on me, it was this tomato right here. If I went to a tomato buffet mm -hmm. and all these were laid out sliced where you could make a tomato sandwich, I would never go pick that. I mean, I would now. Yeah, but you wouldn't. You I would, would never, you would never pick that, that, that kind no. of tomato over that tomato any day of the week, much less that particular. I grew tomato. up eating those. Right. So yeah. that just shows you color does have an color impact yep. on what we choose or, or maybe our impression of the flavor. So I was interested on this one. Now, this was another that was interesting to me. So on... This one that is actually we got this from BGO Seeds right here. That has a crimson gene in it, and it also affects the color because it has a nice dark red color, but also it has a flavor profile there that they call it the crimson. Now this was your least favorite. Your your most favorite was this one right here, which if you if you don't know how friendly the camera's going to be on that, but that's actually a, more of a pinkish tomato. Yeah, it yeah. didn't have a dark. That's a rosy. Very similar finish. to this one. Right? Yeah, it's a new variety we've carried this year. It makes a really small. It makes a really small plant. It's a compact. It does good in pots, and you're going to get one of those in a pot today as a golden away show present. Thank you. So that's interesting. So this was your this was your favorite cherry tomato, the Rosie Finch, yep. and Lemon Boy won out big time. Would you say? I would eat a tomato sandwich tonight. What do you say? Let's make one. I, I'll do it. Okay. As you're doing that, I'm gonna dig into some of our blossom in rot. How about that? Hand me your uh, paper towel over there. Okay. Because you you, you like a lot of mayonnaise. I like a little mayonnaise, not a lot. Salt and pepper. Oh, I love salt and pepper. Yeah. And you gotta let that. You gotta let it sweat just a little bit on that. How about okay. that? All right. So on the Blossom Enrot, we've had a lot of people on our group or emailing customer service complaining about, uh, you need this knife or you can use that big no, this big Okay, one. Complaining or talking about Blossom Enrot, and I understand completely because it is frustrating when you put so much time and effort into a growing tomato, and it, let me show you that red one over there. Can I have that one, Blossom Enrot? When it, it turns out looking like this right here. So some of the misconceptions about Blossom Enrot is that I've seen a lot of people comment on is talking about add magnesium sulfate, Epsom salt. Add that and that will help with this right here. And that's totally a misnomer. Now, a blossom end rot is a complex problem that you have that causes that issue. Commonly what happens is, is the calcium is not there. Calcium is a is a atom or it's actually a molecule in the soil that has a positive charge. Magnesium also has a positive charge in the soil. So you got magnesium and calcium, both of those 
have our ions that have a positive charge. So what happens is, is you really want a good ratio of both of those in the soil, but if you have too much magnesium, it's going to repel the other one, so it's going to push out the calcium. Now your clay soils or your organic matter, your good compost, have a negative charge. So they're going to attract those calcium and magnesium odds. And that's one reason that when I put organic matter in my sandy soils that I do so much better because it actually holds that calcium to that plant needs it. So if you got a very sandy soil, it's not going to hold that calcium. So if you got clay soils which have a negative charge or you have a lot of organic matter compost that have a negative charge, they're going to attract that magnesium and that calcium and make it there available to the plant. The problem with with calcium and calcium, lack of calcium is what causes this problem right here. And you can correct that fairly quick if you, if no. you notice tomatoes. No, that's one of the that's problems. That's what I'm learning. That's right one now. of the problems is it takes a comprehensive plan to start with to not have that. Calcium has, only moves in one direction. Now, you've seen these sprays out there, these uh, blossom and rock sprays mm -hmm. where you spray the leaf on there and it's supposed to help. That is a, that's completely wrong. It does not help whatsoever because calcium will not move from an old leaf to a fruit. It, the only way it will move is from the root system through the xylem of the plant up into that fruit into the leaves. So the only way you're going to get that calcium through that plant to the fruit is from the root system. So I needed to do a sample soil test before I planted. A soil sample would be good, but also you need to have a strategy to be able to make calcium available to that plant in, in your soil load before when you plant your tomatoes. And uh, being able to do that, you're assuring yourself of everything you could do. Now there's some other factors that come into play out there. What if we run into a drought and you and your plants don't get any water. Well, they're not going to get any calcium because calcium is moved with the water. So you've got to have frequent water. Not a granule fertilizer. Well, a granular calcium source. You've got to have calcium load in your soil. And you've got to be able to move that calcium throughout your plant. Now, if you do that, then you're going to do about as all you can do. And at the end here, I'm going to give you a, a pretty constant, comprehensive way of what I, how I battle blossoming rot. But... <clears throat> To move that calcium through the plant and not stress that plant is the only thing you can really do for blossoming rot. Besides this one last thing, and I have this, I've learned this this year. There are certain varieties of maters that are more predisposed than other varieties are for blossoming rot. I'm glad rot. you brought that up. So this red snapper here, which is a large determinate tomato, I've always had more trouble with these type of maters for blossoming rot than I do determinants. Now, I didn't have the first blossom in rot this year, and I think it's reason of a strategy that I have and plus growing these determinate tomatoes. But determinate tomatoes, normally speaking, do not have as much blossom in rot problems as your large determinate tomatoes do. And I say these large slicers. You know what I'm talking right. about there. So you're, My you're, least favorite now. Your least favorite now that you were favorite beforehand. <laughs> Those seem to be the worst, you know, and bell peppers also can have a problem with blossoming rot. Some of your peppers, I say bell peppers because that's normally the ones I notice it more on. Watermelons can also have a, a blossoming rot problems. We normally see it more so in those three crops there, and it's always due to calcium, moving that calcium through the soil, not stressing that plant. You can use some, some of these varieties that, that's not been proven. This is only Greg's thought here, but I think some of these indeterminates are going to be less... Uh, problematic to have blossom in rot. I've never had blossom in rot on aroma tomato. Never have I seen one on cherry tomato. You know, I just did raised beds this year. So my organic soil that I have, this is my first year of growing tomatoes. My mm -hmm. first year of ever having blossom, blossom in rot. rot. I never did a soil sample. Right. And I'm not 
the best on fertilizing. I right. get that. You just don't do it as much or right. as much as I should or need to. Right. Uh, so I know it was a soil deficiency that the plants weren't getting. Right. Or it could have been there and you just didn't move through. Yeah. Uh, now, magnesium sulfate, add the Epsom salt. Let me tell you something. It does absolutely nothing. Did you hear me? Nothing for blossoming rot. Magnesium has to do with the helping the greenness of that leaf transfer as a chlorophyll and that whole process there that's where magnesium comes into play you can actually look at a plant when it's got a magnesium deficiency and see a yellow in, in that leaf and you can say well you know that's a magnesium problem i need to add magnesium sulfate it has nothing to do with blossoming rot blossoming rot is caused from a calcium deficiency because calcium builds the cell walls in the fruit and also in the plant. What causes that tomato to stand up and be nice and strong is the cell wall of that plant is from calcium. And that's the same thing with tomatoes. When you get a nice, good, healthy skin on the outside of it there, that's because you got plenty of calcium. It has nothing to do with magnesium. Magnesium is that process that makes that, that leaf nice and green and helps the energy move throughout that plant and that whole complex process. That's where magnesium is tied to. So for you folks out there that think you can add magnesium sulfate or you can spray a blossom in rock product on the leaves there. Completely misnomer. So, what's the strategy, would you say, Wayne? Would you like me to share that with you? I do. Okay. Because I need to grow some okay. tomatoes. First thing is, <clears throat> I always use a good compost. I add plenty of good compost underneath my soil. Now, if you don't have compost, then you can use something like we got, which is a complete organic fertilizer. And it's a hen manure. So, therefore, it's loaded with calcium. But I use a good compost pre-plant incorporated into my soil and I use this complete organic fertilizer and I put that in about a week to two weeks before I plant and it gives it time to kind of settle in and start working. So, okay, the second thing I do is I always use drip irrigation because you want that irrigation underneath that plant and you want to be, you, you'll find yourself not stressing that plant as much if it's easy to water. So you want to make sure that that plant has got water when it needs it and it's easy to do with drip irrigation. You just turn the valve on and you can also shoot your nutrients through that as well. Number three is for my calcium, excuse me, for my nitrogen source of my tomatoes. Because a lot of times I will alternate a balanced fertilizer such as 20-20-20 and then I'll alternate just a straight nitrogen source. As that nitrogen source, I use calcium nitrate. And therefore, you got nitrogen and you got calcium that you can move through that xylem up and get to that plant. So I use a comprehensive two-step process of 20-20-20. And the next time I use calcium nitrate, and I always put micro boost in each application. And that's all your minor elements, such as boron, magnesium, and all that kind of stuff. All right, number one, two, three, four. Four is I broadcast gypsum which here in the South we know is lamb plaster, but it's gypsum's what we sell is a pelletized gypsum. You can use lamb plaster. If you have, if you live in an agriculture area that grows a lot of peanuts, you can go to the Farm Service Agency and you can buy a bulk lamb plaster. But at first bloom set, I put copious amounts, and I say copious amounts, I'm talking about a good handful on each side of the plant of gypsum. Now let's just say that you was down and out on your, on your luck a little bit and you was tied on money. Why couldn't you just simply use some drywall? I'm glad you brought that up. You know I did that? Yeah. I had I tore out a wall in my house, right. remodeled some, and I have some blueberries. Yep. Like gypsum. Right. I took the sheetrock and I lined my rows 
it deteriorated, gave them what they needed, right. and it kept the grass down. So next time you it do don't that, look good from Google Earth. Well, yeah, but that. next time you do that, put a little bit back in your shop, and when your tomatoes start rolling around, take that gypsum and put it on top of up. the ground out there. That is a great calcium source. A lot of people want to talk about using tums. Well, why do you want to go to the store and get, spend your hard-earned money on a little bitty thing of when tums when you can use some excess drywall? Makes sense. I'm glad you said that. So you can use that, or if you have to buy something, you can use pelletized gypsum. Basically the same thing. But you want to put a Decent amount. You don't want to put it on one side of the plant because what's going to happen? It's just going to take it up on that one side of the plant. You want to make sure you put it all over the root of the plant there. And I like to put it on top of the soil. Now, if you're using drip irrigation and it turns to turn off dry, you've got the water above to bring that gypsum down. down into the root system. So you may have to do some overhead water and whatever to get that calcium through the xylem in the plant and move it up. So, And then, <clears throat> like I said, the overhead water a little bit there to get that in there. And the sprays, do not, I'll repeat this again, do not go off these little sprays that you buy that say blossom in right and you're going to spray the leaves. The pump thing. If you're going to do anything, just pour it on the root system there. It's going to do a lot more good than that than it is spreading on leaves. And do not use magnesium sulfate to combat blossom in rot cause. It does not work. It is simply a calcium problem, but the complexity to it is getting that calcium into the plant so that it gets to where it needs to be. How about that? Did that help some? I learned a lot today. Yep. I'm glad I came and do this, did this show. Yep. Well, good deal. I hope the viewers did, because I did. Yep. Well, that's, you know, Blossoming Rock is something that every year we see people just go on and on about, because it is, uh, it's just like you, it's frustrating. It is. I mean, it really is. Yep. So what do you say? We'll sign off here, and me and you dig into them right there. You want me to hand it to yep. you, or you want to grab it? So, folks, thank you for joining us, and... Uh, Hope you uh, get out there and I you know, hope you don't have a lot of blossoming right. And I hope you have a nice tomato that you can sit down and share with your friends and family. Just like this right here. Now it's time for you to get out there and get dirty. Get dirty. <laughs>